1: Dr. Funk and Sensor.
0: gatos this is cyber smiley with my co-host wisdom how you guys doing greetings Chumbas, and welcome to another episode of tales from the forlorn dopes um sorry about last uh episode I uh, had some personal uh situation i had to take care of and had to cancel Uh, but this week we are actually going to be diving into a few things, um, before we get started, uh, any news or tidbits you want our audience to know about
1: going on? Uh, things are kind of slow right now. Um, it is, I, did they ever figure out what they're doing with the, uh, with the name here? Of... Cyberpunk uncensored. Uh, cyberpunk uncensored I'm <laughs> assuming it's just going to continue to be cyberpunk uncensored
0: yeah I've yet to hear from Rob what's what's the deal, deal on that um but yeah from my end I actually implemented a, a, a change to my site um I did a a rework of the fashion generator and now on the character generator for Cyberpunk 2020 you have the capability of using the fashion clothes generator as well as doing some random generations uh, and stuff. Yeah, Um, Quite a bit of work. More than I thought it was going to take. The other thing I did with the character generator was add in the Deck manager so that you can now have Cyber Deck on the character sheet as well as all the programs and all of it you can print out as a PDF. So uh, I started working on a request from the fans, so uh, people have asked for a ACPA, which is the armored armored oh wait, assisted oh, armor. combat power armor. <clears throat> yes, so I'm going to create a generator for that because there was a request there. Um, I think I got most of the backlog from my poll I did several months ago. Um, I've completed all the work there, so now I'm just coming up with a few I- other ideas that I'm going to put into the backlog. Um, things oh, i man. Yeah. <laughs> things I'm going to be uh, working on is a, a cyber pet. Generator, so taking the the rules from you,
1: Chrome three. You really like creating a lot of work for yourself there. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I I super admire that crap. Holy shit. Idle hands, that you is, know. Uh, like there's a lot that goes into creating a set of power uh, suit of power armor. Tell me about that it. That is that is not a task that you undertake lightly. Yeah, so that's probably gonna take a little while. <laughs> before it sees the light
0: of day versus something like um the Cyropet uh generator is probably gonna be a little easier to to get done and kick it off. Um some other thoughts were uh creating like a, a data fort generator as well. Um that's still kinda like an idea, a one sentence idea. And there was a few other things that I was looking to get done too.
1: So my source books for uh Glass Road and uh the new Nomad campaign that I'm working on. Those have been kind of uh I'm not gonna say they've been put on a back burner, but I've been working on a espionage source book that uh has has taken most of my focus lately. Um
0: yeah, I think that espionage book. I think there would be some people who are interested because in I've seen uh, comments on Reddit and also in the various discords
1: around people requesting that kind of stuff. So cyberpunk as a setting like really yep. lends itself to that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, this one's going to center all around like a, a secret organization of the UN type thing so nobody has to tie it down to any one specific country Um, really the impasse I've reached is how much like gear do I include in this and at what point would it be more ecumenical to just turn around and update like the Autumn Blade gear catalog type stuff like mm -hmm. Because I've got just ridiculous amounts of like images that I've set aside for this kind of thing, so. And I just basically putting... how much bloat do I want to throw at it? Yeah, and then
0: putting stats to the to those images is always fun.
1: You know, that's that's one of the more relaxing things out there for me. Like I can just. It's trying the stats are never the problem. I can make up stats for anything. What what gets to be the problem is trying to give it flavor text. Uh, trying to give each item flavor text and not have it be redundant because there's only so many ways you can say, Well, this is a fairly nice thing. It does this and this. But here's this other thing. It's almost the exact same thing. so yeah. Well, wh- but you want it to be unique
0: yeah definitely. But I, I'm looking forward to that, man. So get on it. But <laughs> I mean it,
1: go ahead. I was gonna say I grew up uh, like the Punisher um, there was a series of ten Punisher armory books. and really, it's just gun porn. That's all it is. Um, but it's done by this guy named Elliot R. Brown who he does all the like in the 70s, 80s and 90s probably through to today he did all the technical illustrations for Marvel Comics like if you need a cutaway of like somebody's vehicle or uh, their weapon he's the one who did all that so these are all like really highly detailed drawings with like just a massive mountain of text uh, accompanying each one about random guns and gear that the Punisher uses. Or for any other purpose I'd be all like well why the fuck does this exist? But for a gaming purpose like this shit's a godsend. It, yep. It's it's just great. It's uh, there's a couple other books out there like that like there's the this, there's a scout handbook for the movie or for the comic Scout War Shaman, um, which is just fantastic. If you've never had a chance to read it, it's one of the best post-apocalypse comics out there. Um, cool. I am completely going off subject. Yep. I apologize. But no worries. We're here to talk about other stuff.
0: Correct. So this episode, by request, we are going to take one of uh, Wisdom's and my uh, really within the top five uh, cyberpunk movies of all time. and We are going to take that movie and convert it into either a campaign or a scenario. And that movie that we're going to be talking about is... Nemesis. So, before we go any further, um, we are going to put in spoilers here because we are going to talk about how we convert this movie into a game. So, we're going to talk about the plot. Uh, if you don't want to, or if you want to watch it before uh, listening to our rambling on this, by all means, <laughs> stop listening and go off and watch this movie. I mean, it is-
1: it is not a new movie by any stretch hell no <laughs> 1991 uh, albert pun starring oliver Grunier. if you've had 30 years to to watch this movie so yep um, <clears throat> yes so the first uh,
0: digital craze is the first one loves it and the sequels were meh yeah
1: so we we don't talk about the sequels (laughs) other than to say that we don't talk about the sequels yes um they have nothing to do with the original (laughs) so they are the worst sequels known to man they are it's like people point to highlander 2 and say well it changed so much that it's not even recognizable no It's got nothing on the sequels for Nemesis, like Jesus Christ.
0: So, um, I'm going to first give you kind of of a synopsis that I pulled from IMDb about this movie. So, uh, the year is 2027. Alex Rain is a Los Angeles policeman who has been shot to pieces in the line of duty in a gunfight with a terrorist organization, the Red Army Hammerheads. Gotta love that name. I love that fucking <laughs> name. That is that is definitely like a a foreign language coming up with a name and trying to translate into English.
1: Dude, it's one of the <laughs> coolest terrorist names I've ever heard. Like the what? Red Army hammerheads, like man. Um so rebuilt with robotic
0: implants, i.e. cybernetics, Alex is now more machine than man and is now a cyborg. Alex decides to retire from the LAPD and runs a private business as a data smuggler. But Alex's former boss, Police Commissioner Farnsworth, and his associates decide to give Alex one last assignment. Alex is to apprehend his former partner, Jared, who is smuggling data to the Red Army Hammerheads, who plot to kill government officials. To force Alex to do the assignment, they implement implant a bomb into his heart. But Alex uncovers a cyborg conspiracy, as cyborgs plot to rule the world and the Red Army Hammerheads are really fighting for humanity, and Alex begins to question the assignment. So, like um, Wisdom said, it came out in 1992, it was directed by Albert Pune. Um other cyberpunk movies from him were Omega Doom and Cyborg. So, He definitely has a... He's the guy who gave the world Von
1: Damme. Yes,
0: with Kickboxer. And it starred Oliver Grunner, who uh, was another Kickboxer, wasn't he? At the time?
1: Yeah. uh, At the time, um, Albert Pune was really into introducing the world to European Kickboxers. And uh, Grunner fit the bill. It's built perfectly for, it as far as I'm concerned. Like, yeah.
0: So, quick synopsis of well, not only a synopsis, but um, just to go over in the final little detail of just that one uh, uh, comment. So, basically, the movie starts off with Alex. He's hunting down the terrorist organization. Um, he kills a cyborg that is trying to make contact with the Red Army, Hammerheads, Um, kills that cyborg, and the terrorists are come in, there's a big shootout, Uh, basically, you know, it's like, I don't know, at least 10 minutes of just gunfire and chase scenes, before finally...
1: Alex it was,
0: is uh, downed by a, a rocket, which um, one of the
1: terrorists shoots at him. Um, I, I watch a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say this. Nemesis was the, whether you like it or not, Nemesis was the first Western movie to really dive into the whole John Woo style of action yep with uh shooting two guns akimbo at point blank range just yeah it it also did it better than anybody else to be honest
0: yeah and and a lot of the gunplay and the action scenes (laughs) were definitely inspired other movies um and when you watch it you're gonna be like wow that's where this
1: came from so yeah everything you see if you watch the movie you'll be thinking man they ripped that they ripped all this stuff off that's not true all those other movies that you're thinking of they ripped off this movie
0: yeah so alex is left for dead um because he got shot up luckily he saved a puppy which is uh, i don't understand the plot that point is in that tragic. but <laughs> just
1: tragic it's a puppy. um
0: but the lead terrorist escapes um, he gets rebuilt, i.e., more cybernetics are, are thrown into him, um, and he still works for the LAPD. And he goes and tracks down that terrorist that escaped, uh, which is a kind of a, a definitely a, a kind of cowboy western scene, in which there's a showdown, um, and he kills that terrorist. You meet. Uh, Two other characters. One of them is more important than the other, although the other is kind of mentioned. So his partner, Jared. Uh, you meet her. Uh, she is, I
1: believe, at the time was, a cyborg. So just to uh, just to clarify, because it, it'll get confusing at some point, all the women in the movie have typically male names like yep like jared and max and sam uh, it's and sam it's it's it it continues on like that even in the unmentionable uh follow-up things that didn't happen uh but yeah the first time you notice it it's just like wow that's that's a different change there's so much going on in these movies yep um or at least in this movie that it's it's when you step back and look at it as a whole, the movie seems kind of goofy, but if you look at each individual part of it, like, there's stuff going on there. Yep.
0: And again, when we start converting this into a game, um, well, actually, we can kind of do this on the fly, right? So, so there's those first two acts, and for me, you know, those two first acts, in which he gets shot up, um, And kind of the terrorist leader, or at the time that he kills, uh, Rosario, she kind of plays a part later in in the thing. So, to me, these two first acts are kind of the player's life path. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, it's kind of like half an hour of the movie is just... tailored towards that life path, which you know, as as a GM you can always blue book that stuff, right? Um, sure. If you don't know what blue booking is, uh, read Listen Up You Primitive Screwheads uh, there is a bunch of articles on it, on what blue booking is and to, what it is is basically kind of doing a flashback of your character to something in their history. Um, but, so After he kills the cyborg leader, and this is kind of where I think the game would start, right? Um, He is, so Alex becomes a data smuggler, as as a synopsis said, and he's, you know, um, I think it's Brazil. He's slinging data, and the scene on when he gets captured is kind of very quick and it was just kind of a hand wave of he's now a data smuggler and he gets captured it would have been nice to see in the movie a little more than that but
1: yeah i would like to have seen the movie keeps doing that though it keeps throwing out these little snippets of man that's some cool world building right there i'd really like to see it in action but it's that's where the that's where converting it into a game comes in because it lets you know that, hey, data smugglers are a big thing in this world.
0: Yep. Um, so, really, that's where the game c- kind of begins when he gets captured. Um, he's thrown into jail. Uh, his former boss, Farnsworth, basically. Play <laughs> the ever present Tim Thomerson. Yes, so Tim Thomerson, i.e. Farnsworth, uh, you meet Moritz, who is Brian James. You might know him from Blade Runner and uh, Jermaine. So these three guys are kind of uh, the conspirators, and you kind of find learn that they are all, all three of them are cyborgs, right? And and they're part of that organization trying to take over the world. So Farnsworth. Farnsworth gives Alex the ultimatum of, you need to go and work for me. Basically, go find your former partner. She's gone rogue. She's selling uh, some secrets to the the terrorist organization. Go track her down and bring her in, right? And how they do that is they give him a sabotage cyberware, uh, which is basically a bomb in his heart. So if he doesn't do it, they're going to, kill them so it's kind of forced in a way so from there right so that how you start the game is basically the characters are going to be sold out right um and doing a task either for a corporation or for a government uh you can decide how you want to do that uh what what kind of characters should be involved or, or or how many players for me, it's going to be kind of a small group. Like I would say four or less players really would make the game go smooth and kind of not bog get bogged down with too many decisions, too many roles because, because this is an action movie you want
1: action. You want to keep Simple it going quick.
0: Characters. Yeah.
1: So, um, Okay. I mean, most of your typical cyberpunk characters are going to work in this setting. Uh, netrunners certainly solos. Uh, solos are the obvious choice because, well, everybody in the movie seems to be a solo. But you do have hackers. You've got netrunners. You've got uh, you've got nomads. Um, you've got corporates, cops. There's a it runs the gamut. You can really. You can really kind of shoehorn anything into it, um, but I but like he said, I would keep the game fairly small, uh, three to four players at most. You don't want to get any bigger than that because you want to keep things moving quickly. Yep. Also, you want to maintain a sense of of desperation. Yep. And, and when it comes to roles,
0: you you know. You definitely don't want to double up on anything that is non-solo cop or nomad. Um, and you should have at least... Half the party should be a solo cop or nomad, right? Cause, because they are kind of that combat class. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, so, they basically insert the cyberware and send off Alex to go and hunt down, um, Jared. So cut to act three in which, uh, Alex enters the town of Shang Lu in Java. Java. Yes. There you go. Shang
1: Lu takes no shit, baby.
0: (laughs) No, it doesn't. Um, so once he gets to town, you find out about the other various, uh, factors that are involved so you find at this point
1: in the movie it just becomes one like everybody everybody you meet in the movie from this point on eventually goes on to become like a much larger actor like you've got you've got a help thomas jane is in the movie uh jackie earl haley is makes a, a brief appearance yep um Harry Hiroyuki. Harry Hiroyuki Tagawa yep. uh, from, like, Mortal Kombat and Big Trouble in Little China. And uh, Yuji Okamoto, from, who was uh, chosen in The Karate Kid. Yep. And even um, uh,
0: in the beginning with uh, Rosaria, um, Jennifer Gaddy, she was in a few movies know. as well. And same with Jared, right? Majori Monahan. I think her name? Uh,
1: Marjorie Monahan, yeah Marjorie. she uh she didn't attain the status of like the other people we mentioned but she was definitely uh she was definitely she definitely went on to better to other things yep. um the only person who didn't move on and I don't understand why was Merle Kennedy who plays uh who plays Alex Rain's sidekick Max Impact and I, I really liked her yeah, uh, she gave off, like, Lori Petty vibes. But oh. the, this is going to sound very misogynistic. But, like, for a good three minutes straight, Alex Rain has to throw her unconscious body over his shoulder. And, uh, young Miss Kennedy had just about the most perfect posterior I've ever seen.
0: Yep. Also, um, later in the movie, um... Jackie Earl Haley, Rorschach, he made a small cameo.
1: So Yep, as Einstein.
0: Yep. So when they get to town, right, so from from a player's point of view, um, there are three factions currently in town, right? You have Farnsworth's cyborg group, which doesn't really make sense, but they're there. Um... You have Jared's uh, faction, which includes uh, Julian, Michelle, and this guy Billy, who is um, I just remember Thomas Thomas James,
1: James, yeah, Um, future Punisher, yep, and uh, the main character of the first season of The Expanse, yep,
0: um. And then you have the, <coughs> the Red Army Hammerheads, who are also another factor in this town, uh, which, of course, is led by a guy named Angie, who is Carrie Hiroyuki. <coughs> so you have these three factors in town when Alex comes in. Um, all of them are observing the hotel that he enters, Uh, The actual clerk at the hotel works or is part of the uh, Red Army Hammerheads. Um, So from an NPC point of view, right, you're going to need to flesh out some of these characters, right? So you're going to want to flesh out um, the cyborg group. So when you're thinking about the cyborg, you can either make it a corporation right so somebody who's trying to take over the world uh, and is looking for data from the next employee who plans on handing it over to some other organization whether it's a terrorist organization which is possible or handing it over to another corporation or a government right so you want to get some of those details down and fleshed out. So in the Farnsworth group, you have Farnsworth, who is the police commissioner. You have Sam, who kind of like made this very small cameo in the beginning scene, or in act two. And really she's she's mentioned as being kind of the head of this conspiracy, um, which is odd because you don't see her and
1: you're like, <laughs> you just don't understand why why it's relevant right the there's movie. a lot of parts in the movie like right. that like objectively i can recognize that it's not the greatest movie ever right. but as a cyberpunk fan especially as a cyberpunk 2020 fan uh it is one of the most like it ranks up there with dread as one of the most uh rewatchable like good time cyberpunk movies out there Right, it's it's never gonna be as uh, cerebral as Blade Runner, um, but man, if you want the good popcorn movie without it, uh, you don't have to think about it too hard. It, it's your it's your go to. Right. So
0: the the NPCs that you would create for the cyborg group is creating Borgs. So that would be using the Gen- Gemini. Um, at least frame, and then yeah,
1: everybody. Uh, all the cyborgs in the movie pass as human. Um, so yeah, Gemini would be the way to go. They're also fairly easy to take down. I mean, the the Tim Thomerson's character Farnsworth is really the only one who just and Alex himself, they're the only ones who just continually take damage and keep coming back for more. Right. So
0: for Farnsworth as an NPC, you definitely want to improve the stats, right? And, and again, Chrome, the Chromebooks have ways on how you can beef up the basic models. Uh, so take a look at that add some more bulk to him, add some more SDP, SP, uh, so he does not die like a chump. (sighs) Um, The rest of them, sure. Uh, But also keep in mind that Farnsworth is kind of the corporate that's kind of pushing Alex and the group. So he's kind of their handler. Um, So you don't want to kind of have too much interaction between... Him and yeah. the party because the party is going to just try to kill him immediately. I, I can tell yeah, you I mean, that. we right want now.
1: to do like they do in the movie where you know there are meetings, but the PCs are at such a disadvantage, they don't even have a chance at, at, at stepping out of line. That's 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 the way it's run is that uh, Farnsworth won't come and see you until you're like bound and gagged and tied up and. Yeah. Yep.
0: And for a cor- corporation, you know, the perfect corporations, of course, you, you can use Arisaka. Um, you can even use, even look up some of the corporations that create uh, Borg bodies, right? Maybe there's an AI gone rogue inside that corporation who is now trying to convert all of humanity into metal um, and slowly work its way to change the world because it sees how the world has gone to shit with the humans in charge Um, and that's another kind of so from this movie's point of view right so this movie is kind of this one part or at least an introduction into a broader campaign Um, of course the, the movies that follow here don't really follow that
1: campaign it, it's idea such a shame because the movie the way the movie ends like is supposed to lead directly into sequels that's that's the way it's set up and the sequels that the movie like that the movie promises are are so much more interesting than the sequels that we got it's yep. it's very sad uh i mean the movie ends with basically them going to hunt down all the other cyborgs that have been infiltrated you know, government and and society. Um, It switches to, like, a a very urban environment as opposed to, you know, shithole Java. Uh, They go to L.A. and it's badass, but you only see it for, like, 30 seconds.
0: Yep. Um, So you have that group, right, Um, of NPCs that you kind of want to flesh out and kind of interacting. Farnsworth has his second-to-command, which is uh, Moritz. Um, he also has the guy who tracked down Alex uh, when he was a data smuggler. So that's uh, Marion. Interesting. A lot of the, the guys' names are women's names like Michelle, Marion. Yeah, it reverses <laughs> everything. Um, so yeah, so you also have that other NPC who kind of tracked down the party and captured them all. Uh, you want to keep him, and he's going to be a, t- a tougher Borg version than the rest of them. Um, and he has a interesting cyberware in that he has this weird stun gun in his head, so his head cracks open, and a stun gun shoots them and and captures them. So.
1: Um, you know, it's, it's a whole lot of work just to show a cyber eye weapon. Yeah. But man, for a B-movie, it looked pretty darn cool. Especially at the time.
0: So, that's the... bad guys, I guess you would call them. Because um, in Cyberpunk, there is no right or wrong. There's just is. Um, so then you have... Uh, Jared's faction, right? So the Red Army Hammerheads and the Red Army. Hammerheads. So Jared's faction, right? So Jared. Give you spoilers. Basically, she found all the plans that the cyborgs are have around taking over the world. How they're replacing uh, key people with cyborg clones of those people and putting them in charge and basically just slowly coming to world domination. So that's what what Jared Jared's um, it, response it is. It
1: really reads like in the background of everything that's happening there's like this whole invasion of the body snatchers where people are getting replaced with cyborgs yeah. and that's she's trying to stop this from happening uh this horror story that's going on in the background that you never actually see but again that's that's the beauty of the movie is it's got all these great little plot points that they don't explore but your mind just kind of goes crazy with them
0: yep so Jared's second in command was Julian um, Julian you find out that basically Jared was her body was killed and she was downloaded onto a chip so if you think of uh, an engram from Cyberpunk 2077, right? Or an AI, um, basically, gets stored in a device that now Julian is carrying around, and that's what Farnsworth is looking for, right? Um, so Julian is doesn't trust Alex, at least initially, or or from what the dialogue says, but. Jared kind of trusts well, him and, and feels that he'll be able to Alex will be able to take her to the Red Army Hammerheads to basically
1: save the day. So it's, J- uh, one of the more cliche plot points yeah. that Jared was is not only Alex's former partner, she's also his Former lover, and he's all angry about her because she broke up with him and was a full cyborg. It, there's a lot to unpack in a in in a short amount of space with her. Uh, yep, and Julian just happens to be the sister of the terrorist. No, that that's not Julian. He, it's not. No, that's Max. Oh no, you're right. It's Max. Max is the sister. Uh, Julian just was a very loyal to the terrorists to Jared. at the start. Yeah, she's she's loyal to
0: Jared because Julian is another cyborg who feels the same way as Jared, which is you know they they are kind of anti take yeah, over the world us, and replace humanity. The
1: cyborgs, even though they are the cyborg, it, it gives. Kind of confusing as to yeah. who's part of what faction. Um,
0: um, So there's this guy Billy who is Thomas James. Um, he, for whatever, he, he's sleeping with Julian and kind of infiltrated that little organization, and he's actually an agent from. Farnsworth. He if is ever human. wanted to see
1: Thomas James Dong? <laughs> there you go.
0: Yep. Um, so he's complete human. Um, so he's kind of been being used as a pawn. Um, so there's that kind of, and again, the movie kind of glosses over all of that as a GM I would actually expand it a little further
1: on Billy's a, role Julian or, or the, the Billy role like they could have done a lot more with that and they, like he was basically an undercover agent who was trying to infiltrate the Red Army Hammerhead and Jared's little group uh, like a go between for them, and uh Yeah. It could have they could have done a lot more. But that's that's the nature of the movie. Like yep. I said, all these little plot points.
0: So then you get to the NPCs that'll be that you kinda wanna write up for the uh Red Army hammerheads, right? One is gonna be Angie. Um Angie. He, he is the last head of one of the cells for the uh Red Army hammerheads. Um, He hires Max Impact, who kind of becomes Alex's companion throughout the rest or half of the movie. Uh, You have uh, Yoshiro, who was the hotel clerk, who he's also a pilot, (laughs) you find out later in the movie. Um, And then you have uh, Rosaria, who is... Max's older sister that Alex killed originally. So again, look in your life path. Um, try to tie Max as an NPC into one of the one of the players'
1: uh, life paths. Yeah, make it make it personal for. Yep. Um, and I tell you what both Max and Angie live. They give you the opportunity to play with some fun accents. Angie's, uh, Angie's weird, like Hawaiian style pigeon is, uh, it's fun to play with. If you can, if you can pull it off. Um, Maxine's accent is just weird. Like I'm not, I'm not sure what her accent is supposed to be.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure either. It um, could be that they traveled to Java a little and kind of tried to imitate some of uh,
1: the locals and how they how they talk. Um, like it comes and goes. She's not. Yep. She's not the. she's not the greatest. And greatest in keeping it consistent. Yep. Um,
0: um, and then also you have hmm. Einstein, who kind of really makes a little bit of a cameo and that's kind of towards the end of the movie in which Jared has to basically be turned into pure data so Jared dies at the end of the movie and that she's being converted into pure data that is now distributed to the rest of the world to help fight this cyborg um, conspiracy so those are kind of the main NPCs I would create for this game. And again, for any movie you want to look at, who are the main characters? Uh, who are the supporting roles? And usually the supporting roles are going to be your NPCs, right? Um the main character or characters, uh you are going to be your PCs, but also look at what that character is and how he's portrayed so most of the time they're going to be solos are portrayed especially in action movies um so that's kind of where you're going to glean your your pcs from right and kind of orient the story around that now you could watch something like uh what was that movie with um mark Wahlberg becoming the judas priest singer right you could You could actually base a a campaign on on something like that uh, for rockers. Um, Again, rocker roll is not something I care for, and I really try to shy keep players away (laughs) from becoming one. For me,
1: I personally wouldn't try and turn Nemesis into a campaign as much as I would just liberally steal ideas, NPC, gear, deck, uh, locations. I would just liberally steal from it and convert that into game as opposed to trying to uh, turn it into a source book. But if we're going to turn it into a source book, if we're going to use it as the basis of a campaign, um, for me, the main characters in the movie are really just... Uh, it's just Alex and, and Max. Those, those are the PCs. Everything else is an NPC. Um... And you could fill the rest of the PC roles as as needed. You can either draw them from the NPCs, because, like, Billy would make a good... He'd make a fairly decent PC, even though he dies early on. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but, but yeah, how would, the, how and, would you get him involved with the rest of the group, right? So he's kind of... I mean I can see him being a PC and that he's hired by
1: Farnsworth, and well, I mean if he lives long enough like he was supposed to be uh, Alex's contact Alex was supposed to go talk to him um, so if he if if he could if, if he if he turned him into a PC and he like somehow manages to talk his way out of not being killed immediately he'd be a pretty good he'd be a pretty good PC
0: yeah. Yeah, so so, really, you know, Shang Lu would be the starting of the game. Um, yeah. So you could have Max, who's a solo, right? Um, that character has been hired by Angie to keep an eye on Alex, follow him, gain intel. On. Is he
1: a solo though? Like, she really... She comes across more of a nomad to me. True. True. Um, I don't know why. That's just always the vibe I've gotten from her. Mostly because she really doesn't know how to fight at all. (laughs) She's... Which Which is opposite of a nomad, I guess, but... I don't know where else I'd put her. Right. And Billy would probably be a fixer type of role. Yeah, Billy would definitely be a fixer. Um, so there you have your your three... at least
0: three characters uh, involved. Um, I wouldn't make Julian... Play a PC at all.
1: No, she is... I mean, she's nothing but a disembodied voice... Uh, for the entire movie, really. Um... But you could, if you needed more characters and you want to pull them from the game, you could grab any of the uh, any of the Red Army Hammerhead characters or any of Julia Julian's tribe. Like, you could grab any of those guys and, and gals and turn them into a PC. Like, that would not be difficult. They would all fit perfectly fine. Uh, there's nothing to say that Angie Live has to die. Uh, obviously, Toshiro is. Uh, he lives, and he could just take a more active role in the party. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's... But I mean,
0: see, the one thing I have a problem with uh, Billy as being a PC is because he's kind of beholden to Farnsworth, right? And how would that player... Would he sell out the rest of the party?
1: Um, Well, yeah, I mean, that's Cyberpunk 101. True. (laughs) But...
0: (laughs) Not all players appreciate, you know, double-crossing other players.
1: No, no player. No, If you're not the one doing the double-crossing, nobody appreciates <laughs> that. Like, you bastard. But, I mean, it doesn't have to go down that way. You could be as easily swayed as anybody else. True. Um, yeah. Obviously, Billy is human because, like, they don't waste much time in killing a simple bullet to the head. Like, it's done. Right. So...
0: Now I would take and kind of fleshed out who, which ones are NPCs, which ones are PCs, and how we can implement that. Um, so next would be how to set up the various scenes you would have in, in either this as a scenario or the starting to a larger campaign, right? Um, to me, it could definitely morph into a campaign because, you know... <clears throat> depending on how you set the cyborg takeover and how big of an organization that is, whether it's a global organization or something that's local to the country that they're in. Um, And again, you can kind of narrow the scope of it to turn it into a
1: a quick scenario. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said earlier, like once they get to Java, the movie goes really quick and it's really just escape from java that's that's the whole plot of the rest of the movie yep um but it it leads off into this other thing where where you're hunting down where you would be hunting down the the remaining cyborgs who have infiltrated you know everything uh and that's where the meat of the campaign would lie i would i would i would go with that Yep. Um, it also gets you back to to an urban environment or really any environment but uh, like that's where the meat and potatoes of the campaign would come from the rest of it is just like establishing what the game is going to be about uh, and the setting
0: yep and there's definitely a, a few scenes right so the scene in which Angie first meets Alex kind of don't know who he is Um but he makes a little bit of a, an introduction that, you know, he's kind of the underboss of the town. Doesn't really tell you he, he's part of the, the terrorist organization, at least initially. Um, and then, of course, you know, Alex just <laughs> gets rid of him by saying, hey, man, I got a bomb in my heart that's going to explode and take anybody out <laughs> near me. So, and then that's when... Uh, Julian comes in
1: and... Should bomb get off.
0: Yeah, so she actually delays the bomb from going off <clears throat> and also destroys any type of uh, surveillance where he had. So he had a, a, a transmitter in his eye that she took out. So during it's that pretty good scene
1: too, yeah. like pretty good special effects. Again, it's a B movie, but special effects are on point. They uh, are yeah. so much better than they had any right being.
0: Yep. And then I think in that scene, that's where instead of Julian killing off Billy, she would bring Billy along and kind of introduce. Billy to the Alex player um, and that's how that the group kind of forms um, during, after she destroys the spyware that's literally spyware that was installed in Alex, uh, Farnsworth's group moves in to basically eliminate them all so that turns into kind of an epic firefight <laughs> That I love. Yeah.
1: It's, uh, you get introduced to some concepts that this is where you first start seeing stuff that gets stolen later on with, uh, the dudes with the, I, I love the dudes. They, they've got the, one of them's carrying an, uh,
0: a 50 An cal. MG-42
1: on a... On a pencil... Or not a pencil... On a, on a gyro-stabilized mount. And the other one's carrying a fifty caliber... M2HB... On a gyro-stabilized mount. Like... Think of the... Heavy machine gunner in Aliens. Uh, um, and they just like... Knock holes in walls... And, and just walk through them. And then there's this scene where... Alex like shoots the floor... And goes through it. They actually, uh, like, that was stolen by Underworld. Yep. And, like, Mythbusters did a whole thing about it, like, proving it's not really possible, but that doesn't... Rule of cool out, out, outweighs Mythbusters. That's just the way it is. They right. did not give Nemesis proper credit to the bastards.
0: And I think that's where, you know, Julian will force the players to, hey, you guys need to escape. I'm going to take care of these. Um, if the players decide to stick around, definitely have one of those Borgs carrying a 50 cal. Um, and if the players aren't scared of a 50 cal, they,
1: you need to teach them fear. <laughs> Jesus, if you're not scared of a 50 cal, I don't know what kind of game you've been playing, but it is not Cyberpunk.
0: Yeah, so that kind of turns off into this whole big chase scene. Uh, And during that chase scene, that's where Max gets introduced uh, to the group, right? So uh, during that chase scene, you know, uh, Alex is running, he talks with Jared, finds out what's going on, the whole conspiracy, the information she has, and how he needs to get her to uh, the terrorist group right so there's a little little section there um and when alex is about to be killed that's when Max shows up and actually kills the person who was gonna off him so again that's when the introduction to the max character can happen so that kind of can happen within the first hour or two of gameplay right um I mean, the max character, the player is probably going to have to sit for a little bit. But, you know, as long as they're comfortable with that and there's always that awkwardness of how, how to start players into a game. I mean, I remember one game that um, I was getting into with, with a GM and he was like, yep, I'll introduce you when, when the time is right party game for five hours and ended the game and i was not introduced as a player because it just never happened but i was cool with it you know it's always fun to be part of that uh experience in the in the storytelling and it also gives the player at least some insight into how the other players are going to be acting and also gives them cues on how they're going to play their character once they they're introduced um, so yeah, so then <clears throat> Max will bring the party to Angie or the <laughs> the Red Army um, to kind of hand over Jared to them. So that way they can get the information to where it needs to go. However, again, Farnsworth miraculously knows where they are um, and where they headed to. It tracks them down. It, actually, it was uh, was it they interrogated uh, Yoshiro, the, the hotel clerk, to find out the information? Any of it.
1: I mean, it shows him sticking him up, and he. I think he gives away the room number and whatnot. That's really about the only interrogation you see from yeah. him. Uh, they get the important, important information by doing, like, a mind sweep on Jared's... Right. Or not Jared, Julian's course. Julian's.
0: So, that scene happens, <laughs> and...
1: <laughs> you forgot this. <laughs> I love this movie. It, the The quotes in this movie really make, like... Uh, yeah. Story-wise, it, it's some disjointed, confusing nonsense. But the quotes just make the movie. Like, <laughs> I think the one we use the most, uh, the quote that gets the most action at, around our gaming table is uh, 93.5% is still human.
0: <laughs> I love the granny when uh, the cyborg was interrogating her. <laughs>
1: Shang Lu takes yeah. that shit. So, Fucking cyborg. Those who
0: haven't seen it yet, there's a little scene in which a one of the uh, Farnsworth cyborgs is shaking down this old lady. Finally, like, gives up on her and starts to walk away from her, and she pulls out this hand cannon and just blows <laughs> him away.
1: A desert eagle. <laughs> and unloads it point blank on him, just... Like it, it, it's an awesome scene, but you're looking at this little old lady and her hand is shaking, carrying the gun. Cause it, it is ridiculously heavy. Like it's even as a prop, it would be a heavy thing to hold. And she's like 80 something. <laughs> yep. So,
0: so we got the scenes. Um, and again, the cyborgs interrupt the meeting, uh, or the handover of Jared, uh, during that scene angie is killed he actually has jared farnsworth picks it up and literally you know alex comes in swoops in and steals it out of his hands and again a chase scene (laughs) begins and this time the party right is trying to escape the island And they're trying to head to a volcano that Max knows about that has a airplane that's ready to take them off to where they need to go to take Jared and get the data from her. So again, there's more of a chase scene. Again, you wanna create um, more Gemini's drones of NPCs going after them. And you also want to have uh, Farnsworth at that scene as well. so it's gonna be kind of a, a final a final boss battle um, with various chasing. Uh, again this is gonna be kind of long distance firefighting. So you can always tell the players oh yeah, you got you got Farnsworth dead to rights boom I mean, really
1: at this point the movie becomes nothing but an excuse for One action scene in an exotic location after and up. Yep. So break out some battle maps, some really cool ones, and just give the (laughs) flimsiest excuses as to why it moves from one to the other. And again... you reach the one battle map, zip line to the other. Zip line to the next.
0: And, of course, the great thing about... This particular scenario is there's going to be greater distances, so it's not like uh, city fights in which you know it's very rare you're going to be at long range when you're in a firefight um, in night city with any weapon. Um, so this actually gives you more chances of missing than hitting, right? Because there is going to be that long range and. Do the players really want to be in close range to a full conversion? Um, if they think they do, yeah, they're, they're going to be mistaken. Um, because a full conversion will definitely tear, tear this particular group up. Because, again, Max and Billy are mostly human, if not fully human. And... Um, Alex is what ninety? Would you say ninety-three
1: point five percent?
0: So, and again, so at the end, they get on a plane, they flee. Um, if you want, if Barnsworth is still kind of in operational condition, you can do that uh, wonderful fight scene in which he jumps on board the plane and begins to uh, fight Alex and gets thrown into a volcano. Um, And then from there, that's when you can either say, okay, you downloaded Jared, scenario is complete, and call it it a game, right? Um, Or you can say, well, there's still that greater conspiracy that's continuing on and develop... <clears throat> more scenarios in that campaign aligning with you know like like they say in the movie the character sam who you were introduced very briefly in the beginning of the movie is the person behind it all um, and then going off and trying to defeat sam again uh, a lot of these cyborgs are kind of for me, I would make them more AIs than than what they call cyborgs, because to me, cyborgs are part metal, part man. Um, yeah. So they're, technically, they're the real, really they, robots.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're robots. They're basically Terminators with a personality. Yep. Um, yeah, if you cross the Terminator with... Uh, with the replicants from blade runner that's that's how they treat cyborgs in the movie yep
0: and if you're wondering about how do i make a robot just they're borgs right they're borgs without a human or without flesh brains right so that the computer processing is is their brain um it's not that it's not that hard to switch over um so again and, that, and that's the one thing that i think Cyberpunk 2020 didn't have a lot of, which was robots. I mean, they have little drones. They have little small robots and and the, the bigger ones, kind of the industrial ones. But they never really got into things, robots like uh, from... Gee, my mind's completely gone. The Asimov movie.
1: You're I robot because... Yeah, um, at that point you're dealing with a lot of individual AIs, and I think they were trying to keep the concept of AIs as still being this kind of fringe idea, as opposed to you know mainstream. We deal with it every day, uh, and most of your typical robots, like you would see in iRobot or Nemesis or uh, Blade Runner, like they're just they're they're functioning at human level, and that's that adds an entirely different dynamic to the tech level of the world. Yep. So, that's kind of how I
0: would convert a movie into a game. Um, that was kind of quick quick topic for us. Normally we uh,
1: ramble on, but. Um, I mean, there are other ways to do it. Like I said, uh, you can just grab bits and pieces and just steal it outright for your game or, you know, change the names and a few details. Um, You can just take the plot of a movie and turn that into a campaign. I've done that with a lot of noir films, like straight up uh, just The Maltese Falcon. Don't even really change the names because most of my players haven't seen it because, well, we live in this day and age where really? most so people that, aren't going to seek out black and white films.
0: Yeah, so so you just stole the plot of, hey, there's this valuable artifact that may or may
1: not be real. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would... Basically, uh, I ran a... I ran a uh, it's the only time I've really do this kind of thing is I, I ran a uh, private eye campaign for Cyberpunk 2020 and it was it was a small campaign it was only, it was only two players uh, and every new chapter in the game was basically me just ripping off an old noir film mostly uh, like Raymond Chandler and uh, things like that um, a lot of Sam Spade Philip Marlowe. Basically, any of those, any of those old noir movies, um, they were fair game for me. I would just rip off the plot completely, not not change the names or anything, because, like I said, they weren't big on to watching old movies. But if it, if your care, if your players are, just change the names a little bit, go with the flow, steal the whole thing. Nice. Heck, that's how you get movies like The Big Lebowski.
0: I don't know if I could make a several. Well, maybe I could make a several movie out of Big Lebowski.
1: You could absolutely make it. I mean, it's it's a Philip Marlowe story. They just changed some names and and made it a little more goofy than the original. Yeah. Um, the Big Sleep.
0: I never saw the Big Sleep.
1: Well. It's, it's the Big Lebowski, except everything's taken seriously.
0: Oh. <laughs> I see. Yeah, so um, any other movies that you think are, are good for converting into uh, a cyberpunk game? And how, how I mean, would you do it? So I, I kind of led this one. Um, initially, so now that the cat's out of the bag so to speak
1: uh, yeah. I mean, it, it works really well when you're, you, you actually have some sort of structure, so you want to play like for me, doing it as a private eye campaign it was easy to find, you know, movies about private eyes that I could just rip off wholeheartedly uh if you're running a cop campaign, um, I would grab, say, well, I would do like a, a Black Rain um, or a colors. Anything that would, just steal the plot wholeheartedly. Like, try and find something that you know your characters haven't, your players haven't seen so they don't catch on too quickly as to what's going on but yeah um I know everybody wants to be original all the time but sometimes you don't sometimes the juices aren't flowing right to create your own thing and you've got the game looming ahead of you just just take it right um
0: and the other thing about game or scenario design, um, so I've always been from a, a bit of an old school, right, with first edition. Uh, and I know that game scenario design and kind of game theory has changed, at least in the past few years, a couple decades, uh, in which. Some Encounters are more balanced, right? So, I think in D&D kind of more introduced that whole, here's your CR, this is how you kind of level set uh, monsters and encounters with the players. I am in a, an old school mindset that not all encounters are going to be balanced. Nah. <laughs> uh, and... When I say that, I mean
1: I, I don't believe in balance. What I do believe is I will not throw a, an encounter at players that they can't survive one way or another. Like sometimes surviving means getting the fuck out of dodge, just running, retreat, get the hell out. Yep. Uh, sometimes it might even mean you know surrendering, but I don't do the TPK. I don't. I don't do it. Um, I, put, per, I personally put way too much effort into my games into the games that I run and I become as invested in the players' characters as they are for me to just, you know, wipe out the party and end the game prematurely over nothing I, I've never understood the fun in that
0: yes I agree with that um that you know one of the v- options for any player is to get out of dodge now yeah a lot of the problem with i think people from a D point of view is you know they are <laughs> and i've seen in, a lot of capable them
1: capable of realizing that running is an option
0: correct that they are basically going to brute force their way through this scenario no matter what, Um, come hell or high water, which does not work (laughs) with some scenarios. Um, And that's part of, I think, a learning curve of the players and teach players that, hey, there's other, you know, you don't have to kill everything. You don't have to win, right? Because that's the other um, problem I think that a lot of gamers have is that whole win
1: scenario. Um, Yeah. and, And GMs have it too. GMs will have like the most, like, low end NPC fight to the death for, for really nothing, like have those guys run away? Yep. Don't 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 make them just stand there and die like it's a video game.
0: Agreed. Um, they they have yeah, and play NPCs a little smarter, right? So if half the NPCs are dead, the other half are going to be like questioning. Mm. Yeah. Like Should holy shit. You just,
1: like in three seconds you just killed half our party, including Big Dave. Uh I'm 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 out of here, man. Yep. I, I then when they come back later they're smarter. They use tactics. They ambush you. They just People complain to me about they, they can't have recurring villains in cyberpunk and I'm all like well do your do your villains run when they get outnumbered or outmaneuvered? No, well, that's why you don't have recurring villains.
0: yep and you know the 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 villain is always going to be around them, right? The, the villain is going to make sure that they survive um the villain is going to have a lot of uh NPCs to basically threaten the party into submission um and if the, the party doesn't appreciate the uh strong handedness of you I guess you would say um, you need to keep on escalating it. and yes also keep in mind that you know your villain might not be the real villain right to the party he might be you know some lieutenant of the main villain so if that situation ever happens you can say oh well There's a bigger guy behind that other guy. Now, players might scream, What are you talking about? You know, we killed him. We're done. Should be done. You're done when the DM says you're done, or the GM, referee. Um, Yeah, amen to that. So, there are tons of ways in which, you know, you can um, have the players uh, not defeat your main big guy.
1: No, well, I mean, that's the beauty of, of role-playing games, is there's always more bad guys. There's always some other nefarious plot that needs to be reckoned with, or... Yeah, somebody out there who's just begging for an ass beating.
0: Yep. So, and, and don't when you're when you're creating a scenario, yes. <laughs> just like what Mike Tyson says, right? All good plans, are sorry, all plans are good until you get punched in the face. Um, I was really hoping
1: you were going to say that with a Mike Tyson accent. But... <laughs>
0: Uh, all, all good fans' plans are 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 good until get punched in the face. <laughs>
1: that tickles me far more than it should. <sighs> That's pretty
0: horrendous, McTyson's accent, but good character concept. Body ten talks like a child very intimidating. So right, so just because you you create an NPC and the players think that that is going to be the main NPC, you can always put in plot twists. Don't and that's that's another thing as a referee and as a GM. Never give away what you're doing in the scenario you're doing it. Don't metagame your own game. Um, Yeah. I I did that a few times in in my past when when I was younger um, and that kind of pulls you into a hole that now the players have more insight into the game than you
1: have. because Yeah, if you're going to steal a plot from a movie or whatever, don't let them know that that's what you're doing. They'll go watch the movie.
0: Yep. Because the best thing is when players are sitting back and they're talking about your game and they're giving you ideas, right? So that's that's the Let other key. Let
1: players write their own campaigns. That's that's the truth in GMing right there because they'll come up with crazy shit that you hadn't thought of. You just roll with that. Right. You, and you the, act like I was the plan all along. Yeah, oh, that, that's Sorry,
0: that's the key. Do not... Give away, you need to keep a poker face um, about it because as soon as you let on, oh, that you know, tell your players, oh, that's a great idea, let's go with that. That's when they know they're in control of the game and not you, and that's when you'll start seeing some players take a lot more initiative and in trying to manipulate and control the game in their favor and the reality is you as a gm are there as reality uh and that you are don't care one way or another if something happens but you're not going to also allow good things to always happen right um, um because there will be bad things. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. What else do you feel you want to talk about with uh, scenario creation and getting inspiration, how to convert uh, Mm, ideas?
1: Really just flesh it out. Um, whether you're coming up with your own stuff, whether you're you're swiping it from somewhere else or a mix of both, uh, the key to running a good campaign, in, in my opinion, is to flesh it out. Make that stuff feel as real and familiar as you can. Even when it's something that's wholly alien and unfamiliar, you've got to you got to portray it in a way that lets the players know that, you know, that's where they are. Uh, The second most important piece of advice I can give uh, as far as running a campaign is... uh, ...let the players pick which NPCs they're going to glom onto. Like, give, give any NPC you introduce, even the most minor, like, just street vendor... Uh, give them a personality. Don't go wholehearted into it. Don't don't like write any stats down or anything like that. But uh, make them each have a unique voice, and then let the players decide which ones that they're gonna like grab onto because they always will. There'll always be some NPC somewhere that they're just all like, "Oh my god, this is the coolest guy ever. We gotta protect him. We gotta we gotta help him out. Yep. We gotta turn this guy into a long-term contact." And then you go from there. Don't don't try and force it on them because it'll never work. If you've got a, if you've got some fixer idea that is sitting in the back of your head, you wait. You don't introduce that character. You wait until they grab a character, and then you throw those traits onto them.
0: Yep. And never bank on an NPC living. <laughs> <laughs> never. Ever. Um. Um. 'Cause if you're if sometimes that the
1: players will them, sometimes it just fucking shit happens. Exactly.
0: So for example, with what we've done with uh, this movie, right, and Farnsworth if Farnsworth gets killed within the first chase scene, you know, it you know, that kind of kind of ruins the whole forward going forward with it. So Farnsworth as an NPC he's going to be kind of stay back he's going to send his minions wave after wave his second in command until you want to give him the chance of dying in a sense Um, and you'll never think the players will do what they will do Um, I had a recent so I'm running Cyberpunk 2020 um, and I had an NPC who I thought, okay, the players are going to capture her. Uh, She kind of wrecked the party in a way, so there was two of the players who really wanted revenge and got her killed. So it kind of screwed the party in a way by killing her. But it is what it is. So it kind of threw off the track for me because now I don't have, she's not going to get interrogated to give them the breadcrumbs to go to the next scene. So now I have to find a way in which I can give those players the breadcrumbs to continue going on. And luckily I I structured my, my campaign to be able to do that. Um, But it was definitely a setback as a GM to kind of figure that out. But I'm not going to let... Well, now that I'm talking about on, on here, if my, any of my players are listening, you know, the, they'll learn that, you know, well, now I have to restructure a little and the story. Um, luckily, I was able to, again, not metagame my own game and divulge other things that are happening behind the scenes so now i can change ideas that they had into ideas that can be fleshed out a little more uh and allow the game to continue without too much of an interruption or the other problem when you're designing a game is trying to keep it coherent right and consistent Especially through long campaigns. So this, this particular campaign I've been running, I've run it twice a month over a year, so um and nice. it's still going yeah. yeah. It's still going on. Um again there's always these side adventures that the players have to do, so the main adventure kind of um is, is still going on. And of course in game time it's only been a month and a half of time which is always odd when when playing a game you know you spend a year for a month and a half of
1: actual gameplay i mean that's the way it works though like that's the nature of gaming a combat session in a in a game can only last like 30 seconds maybe a minute but in the game that'll take like several like a couple hours Regardless yeah. of which system you use, I mean, if you've got more than two players, that's that's going to take a while.
0: Yeah, capricious nature. Yes, <laughs> never rely on anyone surviving. That includes PCs. And Aaron Duran, um, my players really, really want to kill two NPCs, and I was trying to set up a long-term neutral, untrustworthy contact, so I had to adapt. They haven't killed those two yet, though. Yeah, that, that's the other thing that you can always use to prevent powerful NPCs from dying is that NPC has leverage over the players. Now, there are definitely players who are kind of play their characters soulless, um, but you look into their backgrounds, they might have friends, they might have family, they might have parents... They might have someone that you can leverage against them. um, Or leverage against one of the other players, right? So, by leveraging uh, another player against the player who wants to kill the NPC, you can have at least someone in the party who's advocating not killing an NPC.
1: I, uh, I don't know, I don't do a lot of... As a player, I don't do a lot of business with untrustworthy contacts. Um, in fact, that's how my player decides who he's going to do business with, is how much he trusts them in, in general. Like, I've had some players who were pretty stupid who Would just work for anybody. I've had others who were desperate. Um, It's going to change with each game. But in general... uh, Yeah. uh, Untrustworthy fixers and whatnot don't tend to last very long. I don't know why I got off on that tangent, but...
0: Um, Yeah, I mean
1: that. Uh, I, I disagree with that, Arik. I disagree that uh, all contacts are untrustworthy. If you're untrustworthy, nobody does business with you. That's the entire point of the reputation stat. Is uh, you gain a stat for being, you know, a man of your word for doing the job you're paid to do. Uh, at the same time, fixers are, are gain their reputation for not screwing over their their clients. If every job that she, Somebody, if a fixer has, screws over everybody that works for him, nobody's going to work for him. That's, that's just the nature of the the beast. This idea that uh, every job you're going to get screwed over on, like, I'll play that game once and then not play it anymore.
0: Well, and that's, that I think is kind of a problem with Cyberpunk. That there is that
1: concept of untrustworthiness, right? Of There are all these really weird, like, preconceived notions of cyberpunk that I'm not really sure where they came from. Well,
0: it's the, the criminal element, right? So the fixers and, and asking you for doing a job and so the untrustworthiness in that and that's the problem well, right? Yeah, is, I only
1: trust them so far auric i all agree with that part
0: yeah and that's kind of the problem especially with starting campaigns and starting new players and and starting gms right is there is going to be people who try to screw the party over right the, that's sure. part of the dark future
1: now how do you... you trust, I mean, at some point, they may betray you if if the circumstances are right, but if everybody betrays you, you're just going to say fuck it and get a nine-to-five job working at the gas station.
0: Even then, your boss might betray you. (laughs) Yeah, but that probably won't get you killed. True. So, it is. um, It's definitely a bit of a trope, and as a As a referee, you need to have, it's definitely a balance of how to introduce that that fixer who sets you up with a job that screws you later and not destroy the player's conception of fixers or people who are hiring them. Um, Because they're always going to be paranoid that that particular fixer is going to screw them over. Now, the point, the the real point of it in kind of Cyberpunk 2077 kind of went into that, how some fixers screw you over. And, of course, you could look at Dexter Deshawn as one of those fixers who screws you over. Technically, he's not screwing you over. He doesn't know the circumstances. He knows the fallout. And the fallout for him is I need to cut and run. So I'm going to kill the, the players and get the fuck out of Dodge because now I have Arasaka on my ass. Um, and he does have a good rep, right? So he's... The situation in that game really leads to I used to be trustworthy, but you all fucked up and I need to get the fuck out of Dodge. You fucked me,
1: so I don't give a shit about you now. Now if I get the fuck you fuck up as badly as the players do in twenty seventy seven, yeah, you are collateral damage at that point.
0: So when you're doing that type of, you know, untrustworthy, and will the fixer screw you over? Fixer's only going to screw you over if you screw over him. And when I say screw over him, you screw up the job bad. You put him in a position that he is now hunted. Um, you know, <clears throat> uh, kind of as that similar situation happened in my campaign around that particular npc and the fallout with that is is you know there's definitely now a lot more paranoia around the group as well as the fixer who hired them uh the fixer still trusts some of the players but some of the players he does not trust (laughs) um so he's kind of like giving them good graces up to a point. Uh, so you always, and, and it's up to the players, right? I mean, if the players are screwing up and it, they're basically bringing it upon themselves. Now, if the players do a good job, they do it right. The fixer shouldn't screw them over. Uh, unless that fixer is known to be an asshole. Right? Yeah. Uh, and before the, the players even deal with that fixer, have them make a streetwise roll to find out the 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 background of that fixer, and then that gives the players some insight on well, do I really want to do business with this guy, or I'm going to do business with him, but I know he's not he's there's always that
1: possibility of getting fucked by him, you know. Absolutely. I mean the 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 fear should always be there to some extent, but I mean, you yeah. know, there's also got to be some level of trust. There's yep. Relationships are complicated. That's it. That's basically what it all boils down to. Especially in the cyberpunk world. Yeah. Yeah. So from
0: scenario creations. Yeah. So if you have a fixer or a corporate they're only trusted to a point. Now, cor- corporates, I think, are a little more... in their
1: own unt- best interest, and part yes. of that own best interest means, you know, dealing fairly with the people they hire to do jobs. Um, granted, at some point, you know, the, you may do it... There may be circumstances which cause them to betray you, but... That should come at the end of a very long relationship uh, if it's going to have any real impact. That should be all like, oh, my God, I can't believe you betrayed me after we've successfully worked for him for like a year now. Right.
0: And again, that leads into another scenario of, okay, you've been wronged.
1: What are you going to do? Right. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the conflict I talk about a lot between – like one-shot con gamers and like people who run long campaigns. Like there's there's definitely a dichotomy in in how those games are run. Um, and it took me a long time to realize that. Like a lot of the things that get written out there and published are more for the one-shot campaign crowds. Like we're gonna yep. run this simple thing. It's gonna last maybe one or two sessions. And that'll be it. And I have just... That's not how I run games. That's not how I've ever run games. So for me, that's still an alien concept that I'm still trying to come to grips with. But it needs to be taken into consideration with everything else.
0: Yeah. And, and, and that's... The the design of a scenario for a one-shot con game versus a campaign are much different, right? Because in a, a yeah. one-shot con game, you can write everything, Right and prepare it now, whether the players go on script or not, that's up to them if they go off script ie your, your con game, you know, yeah, you're gonna wing it a little, but eventually the players are gonna die <laughs> for whatever you know, or the the con game's never gonna be concluded, and that's something that you know I think players want some finish especially if you say hey this is a one shot this is going to last four to six hours and then we're done you're not going to continue and that's the way it is so you always uh, and i've written con games so i know i set an end goal that end goal it's not always a good thing (laughs) Uh, i've had various Situations in which you know my end goal was okay. The players are going to die. Why? Because it's a con game. Why should why should it matter if they die or not? Um, versus a campaign that is more organic in that okay, I have an idea. I have the end goal of this campaign, but I really don't know how the world is going to, or how the story is going to flow. To that endpoint, or if that endpoint's actually going to change and morph into something different than when I first started off, um, so so yeah. campaigns can be a lot different, and and not only so when you're designing a campaign, not only are there you know finite campaigns, and there's also the the open-ended campaigns, and that's kind of what I do. Basically, I run a campaign and either till the players. Real life destroys the campaign and breaks up the party. The party kills themselves, or they actually get to a conclusion that I, I wrapped up. I mean, when I think of campaigns, I often set a, kind of a lofty goal of, hey, this is where it's going to go. And then the road that travels takes longer than forever. I remember I had a campaign that lasted over two years, and my wife was in it and she's like, "I can't do this anymore. We need to end this." <laughs> so I had to mm-hmm. actually come up with an ending um because she she just couldn't t- you know be in, playing this the same game over and over um and and the the other players were of similar. Uh, attitude was like yeah you know this has been a great campaign but we need an ending Um, yeah
1: sometimes you gotta move on yep anything else Uh, you wanna add (laughs) I've been watching the the video scenes and I, I am reminded that this movie Alex Rain, Oliver Grunier in this movie May set the record for the most, like, vastly different hairstyles in any movie ever. <laughs> yes. Like, every scene almost, he's got a, a different hairstyle for the first half of the movie.
0: Also, he is dirty in different ways throughout the whole movie.
1: Yeah, that's true as well. Um, but yeah. He's grimy. Yeah, so um,
0: I don't know what else we can uh, talk about when it comes to campaign scenarios and converging a movie. Um, if you guys want, you know, hit me up. We can take a look at another movie, maybe how we would convert yeah. a non-cyberpunk genre movie into a campaign, like uh, how you did Maltese Falcon. Um I've seen other movies where I was like, oh, that would make a great cyberpunk campaign and how I would I mean, do that.
1: If you haven't swiped liberally from Casablanca as a cyberpunk GM, are you really playing cyberpunk? Yep.
0: Yeah, Aaron, Duran. Uh, Duran. Um, I, I used to do that as a younger gamer. We had a lot of various one-shot Kind of connected by the people involved. Um, I would say probably in my late, mid to late 20s, that's when I started coming up with the campaign, like long campaigns, Um, like year long campaigns. Most of the games I used to run prior to that were one shots or maybe fewer couple of days uh, of gaming god i wasted my youth on gaming (laughs) i think i used to game like four to five days a week that's not a waste that's (laughs) that's good old days yeah true could have been making money man
1: uh i guess so um i don't know i do regret that at the time that my early gaming days uh Basically, my blood was pure Cheetos and and Coca Cola. Um, that had pretty negative effects, but I, I don't <laughs> regret gaming ever. Uh, I wish I remembered a video lot of gaming it, sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah, video games kind of kind of a uh, a brain dead activity. Yeah, or at least can lead into it. I was a World of Warcrafter, so when you got into the dailies and the grind
1: and farming. I've spent truly embarrassing amounts of time on GTA.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to tell you how many hours I put into uh, Cyberpunk 2077. You'll be shocked. Granted, Um, the, the hours are not necessarily true because I had the game kind of running in the background while I did other work. But let's just say I'm in the four digits of
1: hours. Yeah, same, same here. Um, it's I, I have stepped away from it, uh, waiting for like new content. There better be new content. Damn it, that's a, I, I Oh, I'm tired of waiting. Yeah, so.
0: We can talk a little bit. So that that was our session. So with Cyberpunk 2077, the, the news I'm hearing around is not a lot because CDPR is, I think, very hush-lipped about the whole thing.
1: Um, I think they they learned their lesson on overhyping. Their
0: well, they, they tried to, <laughs> I think, patch, I forget which patch they did. They tried to have a developer roundtable In which they were streaming and it did not go well.
1: (laughs) Oh, I missed that completely.
0: Uh, Do elaborate. Well, I I didn't watch all of it, but basically, you know, the developers were talking about, you know, things that they couldn't talk about and shit like that, right? So they kind of like were just glossing over a lot of it uh, about what's to come. And of course, the community was like, "No, we want to know what's coming. Why did you fix this? Why didn't you fix this? Why didn't you, you know, why do I still have can't change my hair color? Why is it still in first person? Why is it, you know, why are vehicles still crap, you know?" And and they really got hammered for it, and it was just because it was just kind of a little bit of a PR from CD Projekt Red, and that's and that's the problem right now with that game is. They hyped it, they tried to present a bunch of stuff, and when they under-delivered, people jumped on their shit. So if they do deliver, uh, they're still going to have their shit jumped on, because it's like, well, why didn't you do this in the first place? Why didn't, you know? Yeah, and then there's tons of lawsuits like Capricious Nature.
1: I mean, in, in the end, the game is still much better than most of the other games that I've played in the last several years. Uh, like warts and all, like it's better. It, it, its launch was better than any Bethesda launch I've ever seen. Yeah, um, I I don't know why people whined about it so very hard.
0: Well, because console games, it was pretty horrible for some console games.
1: Um, but capricious nature. Oh, yeah. But like I said, Bethesda games are much worse, and people just don't yeah. shut up about how awesome they are.
0: Yeah. Capricious Nature writes, uh, there's tons of lawsuits, needs, need reports on harassment, crunch. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, with the lawsuits around, you know, marketing over promising and under delivering, that's, that's another reason why they probably want to keep their mouth shut because of those lawsuits.
1: Um, I've said it before. I honestly think the biggest mistake CDPR made... Was hiring Keanu Reeves. Not yeah. that Keanu Reeves isn't brilliant. Not that he doesn't do the role brilliantly. But they pretty much had to stop midway through the game when they hired him and change the game. And, yeah, and rewrite everything. It was. It's no longer. It was no longer the game that they had been working on. They just, that's that's my belief anyway. Is that uh, they paid so much to have him be part of the game that they were going to squeeze every last drop out of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Note, we're talking about Cyberpunk 2077, so I think it's probably going to be the remaining of our time here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, CDPR has had it rough uh, around this game. I thought they did a stellar job. Um, I'm noticing more bugs now since the various patches compared to my first playthrough. But again, my my first playthrough was through rose-colored glasses um, because I was just in awe and just loved it. Um, Of course, now with my sixth playthrough, because I need to do every role and every uh, sex to determine exactly what all the differences are. Um, But yeah, I, I think... When it comes to, like, crunch, capricious, the, gaming, or the game development community is always going to have crunch. Don't care who you are, what you are. Um, I'm a software engineer. I've had crunch. I've, I've had projects where I had a 36-hour day, literally, 36 hours, um, straight through getting a project done to meet it on time. Um, does it suck? Fuck yeah! Did I get rewarded after the fact? Fuck yeah! Um, now, if the you know if you don't get rewarded after the fact, yeah, that's a problem. Um, yeah. For for the hard work you're doing, and it, it's tough, right? You're you're trying to meet a deadline, and that was the other problem. I think with their release was you know because of the various delays. Developers are like, hey, we, we can't go. We can't go. Um,
1: and then exactly. saying I it got delayed, well... there' really kept trying to push that deadline, and that ended up hurting everything. Although, if it hadn't released in 2020, that would have been a serious missed opportunity. I- and again, we we are, you know...
0: Uh, what is it called, the... the couch quarterbacks right and we can we can sure. hypothesize mm-hmm. what happened so from my stance they wanted to, to is yeah 2020. they wanted to, to release it mid 2020 they couldn't because they knew there was flaws they, they postponed it they were getting death threats how dare you postpone this we're gonna fucking kill you you know Jesus, and all this other I, shit
1: the, the community the social media community is just so bloody toxic yeah. like it, it makes me sick to be a part of it like death threats over a video game what the hell is wrong with you people yeah capricious
0: the problem is you hear reports and the problem with this day and age is you don't know the facts you You hear things like that because of disgruntled people who they could be valid, they couldn't be valid until you f- you know you find out you just don't know all the facts, and that's the problem with to this day and age, especially with social media. It's easier to degrade somebody and have that reputation hurt than try to fix whatever happened right
1: <laughs>
0: exactly I mean, Sto- that, not
1: man I, I get emotions running high and heat of the moment stuff but Jesus chill the hell out people. is there certain cases that might be true
0: yes are there all the cases that might be true don't know right um, we weren't there we don't know there's three sides to every story there's the person who's complaining, the person whose fault it is, and then there's the reality. And you just don't know what the reality will ever be. Um, I hope, and again, from the... So I follow a a couple of um, YouTubers who kind of follow CDPR, but they are hiring. They are pushing out new ones, I think, because there's going to be a... um, shareholders meeting soon sometime this month like literally within the next week or two something's probably gonna happen whether there's a new patch some more dlcs i understand that they are working on a new dlc uh exactly what that is it's still hypothesized exactly what it might be um I mean, all I
1: personally want is to be able to play to run around in that world with my friends. That's all I want. Uh,
0: Multiplayer is probably not going to happen within the next few years.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. Um, It's such a wasted opportunity.
0: It is. But from what I understand, the next DLC or a future DLC that's probably going to come out in 2022... They're going to be expanding Pacifica uh, and some of that closed-off area that's there. Again, that's all hearsay, rumor, possibilities. But a few months ago, they started on uh, hiring some of the modders. So oh, we can see exactly what happens with the modders. And of course the problem with the modders is they mod PC games. (laughs) They don't mod the console games. Um, So their mods don't always necessarily possibly will work with console games, but we'll see, you know, I I would love to see, I I have no doubt we're going to hear at least something before the end of the year of new patch, possibly some minor DLC downloads to do some things um, but I, I I know that Cyberpunk 2077 is not going to go away from that point of view so all you fans expect more um, so that's talking about Cyberpunk 2077 news around Red um, yeah. I heard that Chrome Black might be coming out within the next few months. I do not know any specific timeline, but from what I hear, it's pretty close to going to the printer.
1: Uh, that would be that would be nice. I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what's in it. Although, with anything Cyberpunk related, uh, deadlines are more of or release dates are more of a
0: a nice suggested timeline. Time <laughs> <on. laughs> yeah. Our Telsori and I have never banked on their timelines. Um,
1: they always put out quality product. Oh, they do. I, just, uh, I agree. Um, it's, it's, yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking, I'm very much looking forward to Chrome Black. I I, I hope it comes out as uh, uh, very soon. Um. But until it materializes, I, I'm I'm trying, I'm just going to keep an open mind about it. Yeah. I do know that, and it was solicited on one of the other sites, uh, apparently they're putting out a collection of all the uh, front books from CyberGen, CyberGeneration. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I forget what it's called but I did see that solicited on one of the uh, RPG sales sites Well, I think then... it was solicited a little bit early because um, they haven't announced anything about it obviously but it's nice to know that Cybergen is getting some support
0: I know that they've done a few specials in the past around Cybergen um with drive-through RPG, yeah. So, we'll see. Yeah, that's for for the younger listeners out there. Um, it, even though we're kind of in another golden age of role-playing games. Uh, the real golden age was the 90s um, because you had either a supplement or a scenario or some other source book for all the major uh, games that were out there would put out at least once a quarter, right? D&D probably had like two or three things coming out every month. Cyberpunk was, I would say, once every six months, if not once a quarter uh, during the 90s. Um,
1: yeah, in like the 90s with 95. It yeah. was the, it...
0: So, to me, I think that was kind of the golden age of role-playing games uh, before that bubble hit. and. The bubble hit and kind of ruined it for everybody. <laughs> because I think I mean, companies were like, whoa, we have so much product that we pushed out that we're getting back. Um, and the, you even see it with like... D&D kind of continued it with the third edition in which they tried to flood the market.
1: Same with Pathfinder. Third edition was the second renaissance. Jesus Christ. They introduced the concept of... Uh, the open gaming license. Yeah, and that
0: kind of like just screwed the whole gaming market, in my opinion. Um, and it also stagnated games in general because you had clones of, of third edition. Everything was everything yeah. was third edition and or that, three point five. And that was and that was the Which, great I thing. Mean, it was
1: good for gaming stores; like they boomed because of it. But yeah. Uh, talk that the for gaming starts with longevity. all that inventory that was stayed on their shelves. Yeah, for, for, for the, in terms of longevity, it was, it was bad.
0: But even for creativity, play. I mean, yeah, you, you, you didn't care necessarily about the rule system, but then again, you want rule systems to constantly evolve. You want to find better rule systems, and it kind of turned into, oh, this is just a, a clone so d20 all the way uh versus coming up with new ideas i mean if you look at the 90s where you had like the various systems that kind of came out so you had cyberpunk d10 plus stat plus skill get over dc which other systems kind of used and i think some systems yeah. before it might have use that as well but you also had like you know Vampire the Masquerade and Shadow Run which you had dice pools um kind of introduced which kind of phased out which I don't understand why because I love rolling tons of dice I think it was just the math around it that people just didn't like uh but just if, scary. oh yeah. my god but just how those systems work, and how you how you take probability and make it into your own. When you know, 3e became open source. Everyone just flocked to it because they thought, well, people don't give a shit about <laughs> new, exciting, different ways of playing. They just care about I just want to know what I'm supposed to do. So I'm gonna roll a d20. Good. I'm gonna roll a d20 um which kind of sucked and and really brought down in my opinion game mechanics and that it just no longer beca- became as creative as you can be um and i think that's kind of why board games became this new renaissance uh not only because it was family friendly but it also introduced other different types of game mechanics and you know board games <laughs> can differ between different board games um, and how you roll dice and how you play the game, which I think role playing games kind of got stagnant in that way
1: yeah i mean it's it's always the going to be the problem though D and d is the monster it's the one everybody is familiar with it's the one everybody plays and it's the one everybody expects all other role playing games to be like yep yeah. so trying to introduce other it's trying to introduce new games to people can be like pulling teeth it's i don't want to play this game with complicated different rules like really these rules are much simpler uh, they're all contained in this one book yeah
0: all right so that's our end of show rambling i think because I think we'll just continue to ramble and ramble Um, so again we talked about how you convert a kind of movie into uh, a scenario how you can take aspects convert the NPCs how you would look at the uh, actors and and the characters within the movie how you can kind of convert them into players um, and just coming up with at least creating Either the campaign start, or at least creating a, a scenario on it. So, I hope this is helpful. If you guys want, we can always do another one in which we take another movie uh, and do the same kind of criteria, breaking it down, pulling out the NPCs, creating the various scenario or scenes within the scenario, etc. So,
1: let us know. Uh, let, us, let us know in the comments or on the Discord what you want to see from yep. us. If you want to even. Big or small, if you want to see how we tackle like converting a piece of tech or a rule, we'll, we can do that. If you want to see how we do another movie, like he said, uh, comic books, yep. anime, whatever, uh, let us know what you want to see, people. And if Thank you're you for willing. showing up and listening, though. Yeah. And if you're watching
0: this on YouTube and you actually got to the end of this session, um, please put in comments and likes into the YouTube and definitely support uh, Cyberpunk Uncensored, both on YouTube and Twitch and his Discord. Um, We really appreciate him uh, hosting us. So, uh, again... You can check me out on cybersmiley.net. I have a bunch of utility apps for Cyberpunk 2020 and Cyberpunk Red. A bunch of data there that you can go to and enjoy. Um, So yeah, stop by if you want. Hit me up on Discord. I'm always willing to uh, do some enhancements. Or if you have an idea or any bugs that you might encounter, please let me know
1: and I will take a look at them. You can find me, Wisdom, at datafortress2020.com for all your Cyberpunk 2020 needs. Uh, Literally, we got fluff on just about everything. Um, And if it's not there, we're working on trying to get it at some point, maybe in the future. Uh, You can also find me on Facebook. Uh, You can find me on Discord, but I don't pay attention to it, so I wouldn't suggest it. Uh, But yeah. All Thank right. you very much for uh, showing up and listening. You guys have a great night.
0: Yep, definitely. And check us out in two weeks. We'll do another episode and uh, talk to you then. Have a great well, night. Bye. Bye.